It's real and it's spectacular. <laughs> I should probably watch Seinfeld at some point, shouldn't I? Now that you've heard all the lines. Yeah, I know. I've, I've effectively seen it from having heard all the lines. I can't decide if I want to, like, give you, Marco, a chance to, like, talk about it and then do follow-up. No, he's not. Don't give Marco a chance to talk about it. That's the worst thing you can do. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. Marco will talk about it. Yeah, fair, fair, fair. All right. So, obviously, we have some important things to talk about, so let's just start by talking about the most important thing right at the top of the show. The Holiday Store is still open, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> we got to get through the important stuff first. Shameless plug. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. This is, how, this is how the professionals do it. So, the ATP Holiday Store is still open. It will be for just a few more days. If you're one of those people who thinks, oh, I've still got time, I've still got time, you don't still have time. As this is being released, it is lucky number 13 of November. You have until the 17th, which is this upcoming Sunday, to do whatever purchasing you want to do so that you can make all your friends and family happy with their sweet new ATP t-shirts and other merch. So atp.fm slash store. Please, if you're interested at all, please check it out. We have some great shirts, some great hoodies, a great hat, some great pins, all the great merch, atp.fm slash store. As you were kidding about the big announcement, obviously the big announcement today is the slightly more refined release date for the Mac Pro, which is now, <laughs> say it with me, everybody, with make air quotes with your fingers when you say it, ready? Mac Pro coming December. <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, iOS 13.2.2, I'm sorry, 13.2.2 is super now important. out. Yep, it's super important. <laughs> uh, multitasking issue solved, question mark? Uh, I did not see the issues quite as badly as many, many, many other people did, but it seems that maybe this is better now. Marco, I think you were hitting this the most, both from a user and a developer perspective. How is 13.2.2 been for you? I actually was not hitting it much as a user, but I heard from all of them because they were hit because like my app is one of the apps that like if it gets killed in the background, it has negative effects. Like it, the main, the main issue people are seeing was that if it got killed in the background, that it would no longer be the active app. If you would, if you were paused and then you hit play, yeah, then yeah. it would like default to the music app or whatever. So I would hear from all those people about that. But yeah, so thirteen point two point two was out, and the the volume of those complaints that I've gotten has dropped substantially. So it seems, like, and Apple specifically said they fixed you know, multitasking uh, issues with that. So. It seems like they did. So I'm really happy that they got that out quickly because I was afraid I was going to have to wait until 13.3 was released and uh, they got it out in a little point release. Any new issues? It seems like we have to ask that with every iOS 13 <laughs> release. Anything <laughs> new breaking your app? Not that I have heard about. <laughs> Knock on wood. Quickly, quickly. Oh, man, I got some great news. Uh, they quietly fixed the AirPlay 2 bugs I was running into in 13.1. Well, that's very exciting. So I can, I believe I now have what I need to build an AirPlay 2 engine. I, I, I kind of brought back out my code that I wrote back in May that I just, I hit this huge roadblock of this bug and I just couldn't proceed. It works perfectly now. Uh, so oh, I'm, that's excellent. I'm very tentatively excited to finally build out my AirPlay 2 and Voice Boost 2 engines. So that's, it, I have uh, actually some promise in overcast development land for the first time in months. <laughs> that's very exciting if only you had a computer with which you could take to the beach and do it on oh my know. god Wouldn't oh my god nice? oh my god i'm so excited Wouldn't that be nice i'm so excited before we get too excited and talk about happy things i need to be a, a debbie downer for a oh. moment i know i'm sorry uh 
I would like to know, and uh, this probably sounds sarcastic, but I really mean it. I would like to know if people, probably not you guys, because I would have heard about it, but people in general have had a similar problem to me. So on my beloved iMac, which is convincing me in ever different ways with each passing day why I need to replace it, but be that as it may, uh, it, when I upgraded to Catalina a little over a week ago, it was after my Walt Disney World trip, uh, I got home and I was home for a couple of days and I thought, well, Catalina's been pretty good on the MacBook. I haven't heard of many issues after the first few days. So, well, yeah, why don't I go ahead and upgrade? And I upgraded in place on the Mojave install I had only done, but like two or three weeks prior. And since then, intermittently, I have been having the weirdest issues with my iMac. And I think it's software for a couple of reasons, not the least of which is that it happened after I went to Catalina, is the best I can tell. But the behavior I'm seeing, the symptom I'm seeing, is that often, but not always, I will have extreme lag with my mouse. Now, this is applicable with my Magic Mouse. It's applicable with my Magic Touchpad or Trackpad, whatever the heck it's called. Um, but what's most interesting is this Magic uh, Trackpad, it it does the like faux clicks, you know what I mean? Like they have for the last few years where the click is just, you know, something that's firing internally. It's like a taptic engine or what have you. It's not a physical click of the glass. Well, what I've had happen to me on numerous times, with this, which is both hilarious and also depressing, is I'll go mousing around and try to click and click and then click and click, 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 wondering if like anything is happening behind the scenes. And then I'll realize what's happening and I'll wait for like, I don't know, two to five seconds. And then I'll give you one guess what this magic trackpad finally decides to start doing. Clicking. So what I'm doing is I'm mashing on glass that's not moving. There's no click whatsoever mash, 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 mash. And then I wait three or four seconds and it's like a friggin' machine gun is attached to my desk and it goes and fires all those clicks <laughs> that? that had been queuing up in the background. So I, I, I am the only person I'm aware of that has had these sorts of problems. And I want to, um, I was kind of hoping that a, a Catalina update would come soon since all these updates seem to be happening on an hourly basis and it would magically make my problems go away. But I'm almost wondering, especially since this build, you know, this OS installation is only a few weeks old now and I've done so many OS reinstallations over the last two months that I'm getting really good at it. Uh, it's like Windows all over again. Uh, I almost wonder if I should wipe the iMac and bring it back to Mojave for, you know, a more extended length of time and see if that fixes the problem. But I, I don't, this is more for the audience than it is for the two of you guys. But since you're here, any thoughts, <laughs> advice, input, anything? This sounds like it's like a firmware level type issue. Because like the fact that the trackpad was not responding with the physical click sensation, I don't even think that that probably doesn't even get to the OS. Like I, I'm guessing this is a lower level issue. Normally, I would I would love to throw you know apple's recent software releases under the bus here but your imac has been weird for a while so i think it's probably your imac it could be john thoughts i have not seen that one before and i have the same question as marco exactly where i don't know what the input path is you know what thing decides to fire the little engine does it go all the way back to the computer my guess would have been the opposite to marco that it goes all the way back to the computer but i, don't I think it does know. too I don't actually know, though, so I, you got me. <laughs> I don't know either, but the reason I think it goes back to the computer is because, you know, when you do like a force click, that occasionally has it makes a difference. Occasionally it doesn't, I believe. Well, first of all, you should have force click disabled. Second of all, I don't think it does go back to the computer because you can click it before it has paired via Bluetooth. Uh, interesting. Okay, okay. I'll allow it. That is interesting. I hadn't considered that. Huh. Well, it's worth it's worth 
uh, keeping an eye out. So anyway, so if you have had or heard about anything like this, uh, please do tweet at me. I'd be curious to hear. Uh, or if you happen to be like a, a Mac technical specialist person, then, and you have a magical fix, I'd love to hear it because I'm very confused. And I'm, even though it's become fairly quick for me to reload this you know, OS from scratch, I'd rather not. So uh, do let me know, please. Well, the good thing is if you need to take that thing to the Apple store, it's way easier to carry than your iMac. I'm talking about my iMac, not my MacBook. No, the the trackpad. Oh, <laughs> no! It's happening. It's happening with like all input, with like keyboard well, input. I mean, it's but we were just talking mouse. about the trackpad of firing off the series yes, of, yes, yes, of yes, flicks yes, or whatever. Yeah. I understand that the lag is happening. When like, do you ever get to like you know you've got those freaking things in your menu bar showing you are the CPUs <laughs> pegged? Like you have not, activity monitor open of you know. Something. I understand what you're saying. I have not noticed anything. But I, I should also mention, I don't think I, I stated this earlier, that the mouse cursor itself will also refresh at like a couple of hertz, you know, as opposed yeah. to like a full 60 hertz or whatever the normal is. It's going like, you know, it, it'll it'll start to slow down and then it'll jump halfway across the screen, jump back halfway across the screen. And it is clearly in, the, in reaction to the th- mousing that I'm doing, but it's doing so at such a horrendous refresh rate and, and just with incredible latency. And so... I, I'm kind of really confused why this would be happening, and and my gut tells me it's software based on almost zero facts, and all, and in no small part because I really just don't want to replace the iMac yet. I just want an iMac Pro refresh, yeah, and then I'll probably pull the trigger. Because it's your iMac, I keep thinking like one of the things that can cause that historically on Macs has caused you know things like stutter uh, of cursors is getting swamped with I/O. Or other I/O related. Agreed. Agreed. That is what it errors. feels like, mm-hmm. and you, you know shouldn't really happen in normal circumstances, but if your SSD is throwing errors or something, or if there's some process grinding away at it or something, I don't know. I don't That's know. a good I, point. I didn't think about my SSD, Max which haunted. is already... Yeah, it is haunted. You don't even know that meme because you don't play video games. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right, so I'll keep an eye out. Maybe, maybe I'll do some uh, disk utility uh, repairs and then cry when it tells me they're all wrong. All right, so I guess we should probably move on to the main topic. And, uh, you know, Marco had talked about how he didn't want to talk about the Apple card. So should we talk about that first? We should not. Oh, God. I'm kidding. Oh, I'm my kidding. God. I'm kidding. You're killing me. So, so, Marco, I guess we should talk about where you went and what you did and what you have in your possession. We are sponsored this week by Squarespace. Start building your website today at squarespace.com slash ATP. Enter offer code ATP at checkout to get 10% off. Make your next move with a beautiful website from Squarespace. Squarespace makes it super easy to make websites. Simple as that. And you need websites for lots of things these days. Squarespace takes away all the complexity, all the software updates and patches and setting up servers and hassles like that. No matter what your skill level is, whether you are a total novice all the way up to a web programmer, you should probably make most of your sites on Squarespace because, honestly, they just do so much with so little effort, and the results are spectacular. Their sites look perfect, professionally designed, regardless of your skill level. Even, like, you know, I can make websites, but I don't usually because Squarespace makes them really quickly and easily. And Squarespace, like, keeps up with all the design trends and the technical side of, like, you know, keeping up with new device compatibility and everything. So I don't need to. It's wonderful. So whether you are a programmer that could make your own website or whether you are a total novice, make your site on Squarespace. Save yourself the time. Save yourself the effort. Let them take care of the updating and the patching and keeping the servers running. They have great support if you need their support. You can see for yourself and start an entire free trial with no credit card required. You can build a whole site. 
at squarespace.com slash ATP in that free trial. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to head back there, squarespace.com slash ATP. Use offer code ATP to get 10% off your first purchase. That's squarespace.com slash ATP, code ATP for 10% off your first purchase. Make your next move with a beautiful website from Squarespace. So I have finally the 16-inch MacBook Pro. It's real. It's so awesome. Ooh, I don't even know where to start. All right, so so we uh, so Apple was holding uh, briefings. I attended one of these briefings, and I have a review unit here. And it is I've had it for as as we record this, I've had it for about half a day. Consider this initial impressions. You know, first impressions after half day use. There was a a presentation that was fully on the record, uh, done by uh, Shruti Haldia, who is the MacBook Pro product manager. And it was kind of like a little keynote for groups of journalists. And it was, I got to say, it was really well done. It's almost, I kind of think it's a shame that they didn't do this publicly because if they would have done this presentation publicly, it would have gotten such massive applause (laughs) (laughs) for the things that it addressed and how it addressed them. And I think this is a really big deal. And so I just wanted to quickly throw out there, like, you know, Shruti Haldia did a really good job presenting it. They, uh, They started out, you know, she said, that they asked, you know, what do pro customers want? People who who buy the 15-inch MacBook Pro, which is their most popular pro product, which I'm not surprised to hear that, but that's, you know, that's good to know. So uh, it, she said people want a larger display, fast performance, the biggest battery possible, quote, the best notebook keyboard ever, massive amounts of storage, and an awesome sound system. And, of course, then went through and she went through each of those points and just how they delivered on that with the 16-inch. Almost everything I believe that was rumored uh, about this machine ended up being true. And it's in it, that's a very good thing. Um, so, start out, obviously, the screen. It is 16 inches. Now, the last one, I believe, was 15.4, so it's not like a whole inch increase. You do notice it. It seems bigger. The margins seem slimmer. Um, the footprint of the machine has only grown a little tiny bit, like barely grown at all. Um, and the weight the weight is up from 4.0 to 4.3 pounds. Uh, it's got like a millimeter thicker. But like if you're looking at this thing on a table, like they had like a hands-on afterwards and they had it next to their older machines also, so you could compare. At a glance, it just looks like a 15-inch MacBook Pro. And, and you start using it and you pick it up and it just feels like a 15-inch MacBook Pro. Like this doesn't feel like a bigger machine, even though it technically is a little bit bigger. But it just it kind of looks and feels just like the size we've had for a while now. And in fact, like there were there were parts where I was looking like at different ones on the table, and I had to look at the inverted T arrow keys. Oh I, yeah. I had to look at the arrow keys to know whether it was this model or not. <laughs> in some cases. <laughs> like that's how similar the overall package looks to what we've had did they tell you where the uh 0.3 pounds went obviously they shaved a little weight making those arrow keys smaller uh and, and the <laughs> and the screen i mean the screen is a little bit bigger but the glass is the same size right so 0.3 pounds i'm hoping it all went into battery but did they did they make that pitch they did so the 2015 generation that one the battery size slowly increased on that one the actual model year 2015 which i considered the, the best one ever that had a 99.5 watt-hour battery. And actually, they, they described this in the presentation that the 
uh, FAA in the U.S. limits the size of carry-on batteries for planes to 100 watt hours. They were at 99.5. They, <laughs> they went almost right up to that and didn't cross that because if you have a battery that big, you got to check it in your bag. Nobody wants to check their laptop. The previous generation, the 2016, you know, the first touch bar generation, actually dropped the battery capacity down to somewhere around like 80 or 76, something like that. And I think they've tweaked it a little bit over time here, like in, in the revision since then. So the previous one was 84 watt hour, the, the 2019 revision, 84 watt hour. They have now brought it back up to exactly 100. <laughs> so they, they said it was, they said it's the largest battery ever in a Mac notebook, which is true by 0.5 watt hours but it's true <laughs> um so that i i would say you know that seems like where most of the weight has gone like to to go to to increase the battery size by whatever that is about 20 percent um that's that's probably where most of it because batteries are really heavy the quota battery life i haven't had time to really get an idea of how good the battery life is the quota battery life has gone from 10 to 11 hours they cranked it to 11 <laughs> yeah and like the processors are all the same that we got earlier this year. Like the Intel hasn't released new CPUs yet, so the the CPUs are all the same ones. The the six and eight core uh, i seven and i nines, the ninth generation ones. Um, the GPUs are new. Uh, I don't know anything about GPUs, so I can't really tell you. But the GPUs are new. The the Radeon Pro uh, five thousand M series. Uh, seven nanometers they have a lot of really cool sounding specs that i can't really describe why they're good uh so they're new and that's that's good <laughs> do you know if the previous gpus were also seven nanometer or did they make a pitch for these gpus being more power efficient you know i don't know i mean it's a new series of gpus from ati or amd's rather uh so i don't i don't really know if like how much better because like, I, I don't follow gpus i don't follow that world at all i'm also just thinking like is, how much is it going to eat your battery and it, it, you mentioned seven nanometers and i don't recall if the last ones were seven so if these are seven that bodes well for battery life yeah i mean they might have been but like I, I mean it is it is pretty good like again like we've talked before about like trying to update individual components rather than like waiting as things age and they've done that with gpus like they there was like we forget like there was a 15 inch and 13 inch update in what was that about may that they that they did the update before like so that. like there was already an update like six months ago to these <laughs> machines so this is same cpus new gpus and again it's only because it's intel's fault that they don't have new cpus as well i would guess the battery life is you know you have the same cpu probably a similar power envelope gpu and a 20 percent ish bigger battery so that's probably where that comes from the power adapter is up to 96 watts instead of 87 watts. Same size, though. That's a little annoying. <laughs> it's only annoying in the most ridiculous way. Uh, when I bought a second power adapter for my MacBook, I got the biggest USB-C power adapter I could, the one for like the 15-inch at the time, thinking, oh, maybe one day I will have a big boy again, and I want to just have... Yeah, I don't want to have to basically throw away my existing power power supply you, know, you don't the, the little you don't have to. well it's it, you know what i mean that's only for like develop for like delivering like maximum peak power if you're like if you're like rendering a video in final cut like that's when you need all that power when you're sitting around like doing even doing coding like like i i i will almost always be traveling with a power brick that's from some third party that is small and light that is nowhere near the full like previously my previous laptop was 60 watts and i would travel with a 45 watt brick because it was super small and it was fine and it, you hardly ever actually need that, that peak power. So, like, if it's, like, your secondary one or your travel one or whatever, like, as long as you're not, like, rendering Final Cut or playing high-end games, you don't need all that power all the time. Like, you could get away easily with one of these machines, probably with a 60-watt adapter most of the time, and you'd be fine. 
Yeah, and that's fair. But you also forget that I write exclusively in Swift, so I know all the power I can get. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> fair point. <laughs> no, I mean, all kidding aside, though, that it is it is pretty nice that they have put so much power into like battery and electricity power. We'll talk about you know whether or not it's a fast processor and so on. But but it is it is nice to see all that all that power and to see the battery life is such a big priority and to the point that they're willing to make something heavier, which. Uh, as we discussed a couple of months ago, I could think around iPhone time, we had all kind of thought that things never got bigger and never got heavier. And this this computer is both bigger and heavier, and I think for good reason. So that that's kind of exciting. Yeah, like it, it seemed like I think so far, I mean, again, it's been not that much time yet, but I think they they spent that additional budget well. Like it's it's always a trade-off. You know, everybody wants them to be thin and light and everyone complains like crazy that their, their laptops are too heavy, even though like they, they'll put like a four-pound laptop into an otherwise 16-pound bag that has all sorts of crap they don't need to carry. And they're like, oh, this laptop's too heavy. It's like, no, that's, that's not the problem. Like, empty your bag. You know? but <laughs> anyway, or like, you know, you're an adult. Who cares? These things used to be 10 pounds. Like, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so uh, before I leave the uh, CPU area, they've also uh, changed or they've, they've improved the thermal architecture. Um, so they've made the heat sink uh, bigger, redesigned the heat pipe, uh, made the fans bigger and higher capacity and 20% better blades and all sorts of stuff. Um, so they've, they said that they have raised the sustained workload heat output level by 12 watts of like how much the thermal system can cool. It's now 12 watts higher. I, I asked, I, w- I wasn't able to find out like what it was before, um, but I would, I would estimate that before it was probably somewhere around maybe 80, 90 watts, something like that. So to be a little bit higher than that is, is pretty good. Uh, real-time follow-up on the GPU. As far as I can tell, in 20 seconds of Googling, uh, the previous GPUs were 14 nanometers. So these being seven bo- bodes well for power. And I like the fact that the cooling is upgraded. That's what I was talking about a couple shows ago. The iMac proification of this thing in one respect in terms of on the outside, it looks the same. And it's got the same CPU and, you know, an updated GPU. But the experience of using it. You know, how often are the things screaming? How often are the CPUs throttling? I'm not sure if you had a chance to test that, but I'm sure people will. Like this is the this is the upgraded sort of pro experience. Even if even if the CPU is exactly the same, if it is quieter and cooler and can run heavier loads and has a bigger battery, that is a pro experience. Yeah, and like I haven't spent really any time with the 2019 previous 15 inch models, like the the ones that went six and eight core. I spent very little time with those, and so I don't really know how how much the fans spun up on those but so far in my testing of this so far which again admittedly is not like super heavy but i've 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 heard the fans here and there as i as i really push it or as dropbox runs it seems (laughs) so far to be very similar to the previous ones maybe a little bit more tame in the fan noise department so like i haven't heard the fans very loudly and i haven't heard them for very long and that includes doing things like my overcast build test which is like you know max out the cpus for about a minute uh, and it's it doesn't it was like barely registering for that. Uh, so I, I think anytime you heard the fans on a recent MacBook Pro, you will probably hear them here too, but maybe a little bit quieter and a little bit for a little bit less time. Before I leave the um, the performance area, I, I will say I did that test, and again, these are the same CPUs we've had for six months, but I didn't have one. So uh, this was the maxed out uh, 2.4 gigahertz i9 eight core, and it builds overcast almost exactly as fast as my 10-core iMac Pro. <laughs> wow! <laughs> so, Because the CPUs are, I believe, one or two uh, microarchitecture generations ahead of the Xeons and the iMac Pro currently. Um, so, you know, th- this again, this has been the case for a little while now with these laptops, but 
truly like this what they've made here performance wise is in very many ways like a mini iMac Pro and or like a mini Mac Pro and in fact they they did a lot of demos where they would do something on a new Mac Pro and then do something very similar on the MacBook Pro <laughs> kind of do the same displays like the same like they had a million of these Pro display XDRs in this in the demo rooms and everything <laughs> um, and they were you know it, it was very similar to the uh, that hands-on area at WBDC this year there's just Mac Pros and Pro Display XDRs everywhere and people doing really cool stuff that I will never do on them. <laughs> like, like, not a single person had, like, a three-track podcast project in Logic Open. <laughs> Everyone's like, here's, like, a 200-track, like, orchestral com- composition by professionals. And I'm like, all right, how is, how is this going to run, like, denoising my air conditioner out of, <laughs> out of a recording? <laughs> did, did, did any of them get that? Well, I don't know the exact wording. You'll have to insert this for me. The uh, system busy or disk too slow dialogue from Logic? <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> I did not see that dialogue once. Uh, question for the, you: You said that they had uh, MacBook uh, Pros hooked up to uh, Cinema Display XDRs. Pro Display XDRs. Do we know if they can drive that at uh, the full native res or no? full native res, and they can drive two of them. Mm, very wow! Nice. Is that new for the? Is that new for like the 2019s or new for the 16 inch? Uh, I don't know that offhand. Right. I don't know, but but yeah, they they can they can drive two of them at full res, and they I saw many of them that did, <laughs> and of course, in addition to their built-in display doing its own resolution. So mm-hmm. yeah, it was it was quite impressive. Yeah, and 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 like there were there were some times when during some of the demos where I did hear the fans spin up because they were it totally understandable they were like running like Maya and stuff mm-hmm. it sounded very similar to the way they've always sounded when they're pushing the GPU and CPU really hard so like there's I would say fan noise don't expect significant differences it's a little bit better just because it has more capacity um, but otherwise it's it's fairly similar in, in that area we'll get to the keyboard in a minute <laughs> I swear I want I, I want to knock out the other stuff because I have a lot to say about the keyboard no yeah surprisingly uh, let's see what else. So uh, the SSD, I believe it's roughly the same performance, uh, but there's now an eight terabyte option. That's bananas. <laughs> it, well, if you're going to buy your two XDR displays, you have to get the eight terabyte <laughs> model, yeah, right? Just to match the price. And they've raised the RAM ceiling to 64 gigs. That's nice. So, and that's that's nice. Like you know, one of the big uh, complaints about the 2016 touch bar laptop generation was that like that ram ceiling i believe it was 16 in the 2016 generation right yeah it was 16 for a while it was ridiculous and and pros were just like i can't fit my stuff in 16 and so that was a big point of contention and like over the last few revisions they they have raised that to 32 at some point uh but still like anytime you can raise that you you raise the limit of what people can do with these things and and who needs a desktop and who needs a laptop. And so to have, you know, eight terabyte SSD and up to 64 gigs of RAM as options, I know they're going to cost probably a fortune. At the time of this recording, I don't know how much they cost. Uh, that, that that was not disclosed yet. Yeah, it's it really is like, the, it's like a, you know, a mini iMac Pro. And I'm, I'm very happy about that because the fact is we've had we've had really good laptop performance for a while now. It's, you know, not, not only did the SSD revolution kind of uh, usher that in, but also like as Intel has been, t- you know, terrible at delivering on their new <laughs> process uh, nodes, they've been upping the core counts and really refining the microarchitecture or their CPUs and everything. So like the, the processor performance and the disk performance and GPUs have gotten so good that if it weren't for the stupid butterfly keyboard, <laughs> I would have loved to do lots of work on laptops for all these years. Uh, but I, but I haven't because of that. Before I get to that, the last uh, major area that they wanted to touch on, which I think is worthy of it, uh, is the audio subsystem. So they've upgraded both the speakers and the microphones. 
Uh, and this is, you know, not only as an audio nerd, like this is cool, but it's also just cool as like as like a Mac fan. They don't really touch the speakers or microphones in ways that are announced very often. Like you get an, you get an upgrade like every five years maybe where they'll say, oh, we've also changed the microphones. Now there's two of them or whatever. Typically, microphones that are built into anything are terrible <laughs> and, and you, they're like not usable. And so one of the most common uh, tragedies in podcast recording is when somebody like Casey accidentally uses their built-in mic. Hey, maybe in Skype they had their real mic selected, but like in the recording app they were using to record their track, maybe they accidentally had their built-in mic selected. Uh, and, hypothetically, yeah, hypothetically, <laughs> it, it happens all the time with podcasts, especially podcasts that have guests that aren't necessarily like doing this a lot. Um, and so you'll have somebody, you'll hear their built-in mic, and they sound like they're talking at the bottom of a well. And you'll hear, you'll hear like their pets and their neighbors and lawnmowers and you'll hear everything and they, they sound distant and echoey and it's terrible. Um, they've actually, Apple has actually really improved the built-in microphone, which I didn't, I didn't think that was something that was ever going to be done. It's like whenever they touch audio, it's kind of like when they, when they make the screens better. No one was asking for that. But once you have it, you're like, oh my god, this is amazing. How do we ever do without this? <laughs> you know, like no one, no one ever really asks to be to have these areas pushed forward. They just, you know, occasionally somebody does it, and then it like sets this new standard. And you're like, oh my god, like, and and in the in the in the realm of audio, Apple has really kicked butt in recent years with their audio engineering. Like the built-in speakers. I remember, I think what what kicked it off for me was the first iPad Pro. Uh, where it had those, they had the four speaker array, and the iPad Pro at that time not only sounded like almost unbelievably good for a tablet that was like sitting on a table, but it embarrassed all their laptops. And one of the ways that the touch bar generation uh, kind of painfully embarrassed my beloved 2015 generation was that they made the speakers a bit better. And now in the 16 inch, the speakers are a lot better. And the microphones are a lot better. In fact, so I, I will, I'll drop in here a clip of me testing the microphone. And so this is, I'm sitting at the same desk using, you know, it, from the same position that I'm talking to you now through my like big desktop mic. It, this isn't going to replace a studio microphone. But if you are somewhere where this is all you have, or if you accidentally record your built-in mic for a podcast, it's now way better. So here, here's that clip. So this is me at the uh, built-in mic. It's just on my desk. I'm sitting in front of it, like at regular desk height. So I'm probably about I don't know a foot and a half away from it, something like that. Uh, yeah, I don't know how this sounds yet. I'm gonna listen back to it, but uh, I think it's gonna probably sound pretty good. That sounded incredible. Like it doesn't replace your big fancy mic, just like you said. But when somebody <clears throat> like me screws up and records from the onboard mic, that would sound passable. Now the only thing is. You didn't like type or click or anything as you were recording that, right? So I, I kind of wonder how bad that interference would be. But from the clip that you sent and played, uh, from, let me try that again. From the clip that you played, it sounded good. It sounded surprisingly good. Yeah, like the the only thing that that it really you know doesn't compete on is you know that your your voice your mouth is physically more distant from the mics you know the mics are mm-hmm. over there like by the escape key the escape key oh my god we'll get there <laughs> <laughs> and so like you know normally when you're when you're using like a studio mic for like a good podcasting the, the mic is like a couple inches from your mouth and when you're using something that's built into the laptop it's like a foot and a half from your mouth and no matter like i've had lots of really nice high-end microphones all different price points none of them sound good when they're far away 
you have to have proximity to the to the person to really make it sound good and so considering how far it is from my mouth it sounds really good like i don't think there's any other mic i could put at that distance and have it sound that good that's below maybe a thousand dollars i don't know man I, i've spent a lot of money on this microphone and you'll notice that <laughs> problems whatsoever it sounds just great uh, yeah right <laughs> oh, yeah yeah no that's that actually is very impressive yeah and then the uh the speakers are also like really really good i mean this is something you kind of have to like you know experience it to hear i can't really play it for you in a useful way but when i went to the beach for my last work trip where i brought the imac pro <laughs> uh i didn't bring any speakers on the trip I, br- I i just figured i'd wear headphones and I, so i just brought a pair of headphones and my imac pro before I plugged the headphones in, I, I decided, let me try the, the built-in speakers on the iMac Pro, which I had, like, never heard because I don't, I don't use them at home. And the built-in speakers of my iMac Pro filled the room. This was, like, a big living room in, the, in this rental. It filled the room. It was amazing. I, didn't, I never used the headphones the whole trip. I just listened to music from my built-in speakers of my, of my iMac Pro. And the new MacBook Pro is almost that good. Wow. It's not, it can't quite fill the room that well because, you know, it's a lot smaller. Um, but, like, it's almost that good. It's surprising how good music sounds the only weird little niggle about it is that if i'm using if i'm like waving my hands around above the laptop as i'm using the laptop if i hover my hand so that partially covers the path between like one of the speakers and my ear i can hear the difference like the music sounds noticeably worse because my hand Uh is blocking it from from getting all the way unobstructed to my ear like that's so in a way it's a little bit weird i'm sure i get used to that uh but yeah when you're when you're not waving your hand over the speaker it really sounds very good and it goes very loud surprisingly loud you know every other laptop you play music from the built-in speakers and it sounds like built-in speakers like it sounds terrible (laughs) and you can kind of tell like this is not a high priority for any other manufacturer because nobody cares about how good their built-in speakers are and people don't care and the manufacturers don't care well you know what apple cares and sometimes when i need it i care huge upgrade in the quality of the speakers even from even from the 2016 generation which itself was a huge upgrade over the 2015 generation so i am very pleased with the speakers and the microphones like as good as a built-in mic i've ever heard <laughs> so it's still a built-in mic but it's surprisingly good for for what it is and where it is i wonder if any of those monster pc gaming laptops might have good speakers uh, have you tried tiffs to see if that you know because they're so big and so yeah you know, they're they're crappy. <laughs> it's simple as that. I mean, I don't think this is like a huge downside because most people don't use their built-in speakers that much. But when you do use them, you want them to sound good. And until now, I just thought it was impossible. Like, I just I just assumed like, oh, built-in speakers will always sound terrible. Just like until the AirPods Pro, I thought like, well, earbuds will always sound like crap. Uh, but yeah, it turns out you can make things sound good. And that's pretty cool. <laughs> and Apple has. <laughs> we are sponsored this week by HelloFresh. HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service that shops, plans, and delivers step-by-step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so that you can just cook, eat, and enjoy. And there is something for everyone with HelloFresh's wide selection of plans to choose from. They currently have classic veggie for vegetarians and family plans for more family-friendly dishes. Each box is made up of fresh, responsibly obtained ingredients from carefully selected farms and high-rated, trusted sources. You can look forward to your HelloFresh delivery knowing that dinner just got that much easier. I know I use, I've use i used HelloFresh before, and it is great because 
you don't have to decide what to cook every night. That's that's something like as an adult, I just get tired of deciding and they can decide for you and their meals are really good. They're really easy to make. All the ingredients come pre-measured in labeled meal kits. You know which ingredients go with which recipe and it's all delivered right to you. You don't have to shop or anything. It brings you exactly as much as you need and not a bunch of excess of you know certain like you know fresh fresh ingredients that would go bad really fast. You can feel confident when cooking them too because they give you simple recipes outlined on pictured step-by-step instruction cards. So get out of that recipe rut and start cooking outside of your comfort zone by discovering new delicious recipes in each week's box from HelloFresh. You can get delicious filling meals delivered right to your door every week for less than $10 per serving and with free shipping. For $30 off your first week of HelloFresh, visit HelloFresh.com and enter code ATP30. That's HelloFresh.com with special code ATP30. Thank you so much to HelloFresh for sponsoring our show. Before you move on to the keyboard, one thing we skipped over is the screen. Uh, we know it's 16 inch. It's a little bit bigger than it was before, but what, uh, what more can you tell me about it? It has changed in other ways, has it not? So it is the same brightness, 500 nits. It's still P3 wide color. It's higher resolution. It's a little bit higher DPI. It's 226 uh, PPI now. I forget what the other one was, but it's it's like a slightly more dense screen, but not to the point where, like, if you were using the scaling mode before or the native, like, w- w- like whatever, like, step you had the sizing on, you're probably going to use that same step on this one. Like, you're mostly just getting the additional real estate not getting like a huge like density increase. There's a small one, but not a big one. For the most part, like I kind of stopped noticing the screen. It, it's it's vast because especially because I'm coming most recently from a 13 inch, so it is significantly larger than, than what I'm used to using. Um, and there's tons of space, but it is you know quality wise, it's I, I think it's very similar to what we had before. Um, and unfortunately, one of my nitpicks with the previous generation was that they use these scaling modes by default. That the native 2x pixels of the panel is one step down in, or like i guess one step up in size for from how they ship it so like they ship it in a mode that simulates a higher resolution than the actual 2x of the of the panel is um, and you have to you have to make everything one step larger to be the actual 2x pixels now i actually usually run my retina macbook pros as the native setting even though it, it makes everything a little bit bigger i get a little bit less screen space for it I actually prefer how it looks at that size uh, most of the time, unless I'm doing something, unless I'm doing like heavy code and then I'll step it down. But usually I run it at the real native setting. But anyway, this doesn't change what they have. It still ships by default in a scaling mode. So it's still very slightly blurry at its default settings. And if you want it to be sharper, you have to, you have to lose screen real estate. And so again, that's a trade-off I make because I like, I like how things look at that size, but you know, it's unchanged. This is one of those things, and, and I'll, I'll get to a lot of these later, because there's a lot about this laptop that's unchanged. It's one of those things that it's a trade-off. I know it's a trade-off. I know there's, like, you know, battery life costs. There's, there's panel actual, like, money costs of the panels. There, you know, there, there's the battery life of driving all the extra pixels that would require to have the panel be the higher resolution to actually be true 2x of its default setting. So I get all that. They made the decision to leave it this way and so i'm ambivalent towards that like i wish i wish they would up that i think it's a waste to have such great panels in all these other ways and then to have them scaled by default and slightly blurry on even their highest end notebooks that have all this other work put into the displays i think that's i think that's a shame but 
it's a trade-off and they're they're continuing to make the same trade-off so i'll keep pushing for it and hopefully someday they'll change their mind on that yep it's incongruous with 32 gigs of ram and an 8 terabyte ssd like that is the most glaring thing it's like obviously maybe don't make it the default it's expensive it uses more battery it costs more right but the fact that you could spec this thing up so high and still you can't get a, a higher res screen like let people make that trade-off because yeah which they used to do like before retina that was an option it was a very inexpensive option yep. to upgrade from the 1440 to the 1680 screen it was like 200 bucks and it was great and and i and i think you know as you said like you know 64 gigs of ram that uses a lot of battery too ram uses battery i have a feel like i, I wonder would it use the same amount of, of battery as 64 gigs of ram would <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know what the comparison is, but like for, for those applications, as you said, that you were, they were showing you where it's hooked up to these two big displays and it's doing this fancy stuff and the fans are spinning, those are plugged in anyway, right? Like that's that's the use case. For people people who need this and know they need it, make it an expensive option, just like the 8 terabyte SSD, it's not going to it's not going to detract from the reputation of the laptop as having good battery life because only the people who really want that, you know, option will choose it, right? So but it it's it's hanging right there for them like we'll get to more of this later and when we start summing up but this is part of the iMac Pro or Mac Proification of laptop that Apple continues to choose not to pick up they have, they have not like they did it in the RAM and they did it in the SSD they're not doing it in the physical attributes of the uh the laptop like the screen oh and they've also now done a um you can you can now set different refresh rates on the LCD panel the, the built-in one and they now, I, I don't know enough to tell you why these matter, but, uh, but they now have uh, certain like fractional refresh rates that are, that are not exactly 60 hertz. There's like, there's like you know, 48 or whatever for certain video production uses. So like you, you want your, your frame rate of your monitor to be an even multiple of the frame rate of whatever video you're looking at as you're editing it or something like that. I, again, this is not an area of my expertise, but they, they now have different refresh rates that you can set in display settings. So that's pretty cool for people who need it. And all these re- refresh rates are lower than 60. So it's not like there's 120 or anything like that. It's all like fractions step down from 60. Now, this is interesting to me because like they're Apple's not behind, but like there's there are more places Apple can go with this that would actually benefit them. One of them obviously is 120 hertz, like with the pro, uh, what do they call it? ProMotion display on the iPad Pro and everything. Uh, that might provide a nicer experience and give you more options uh on on the on a laptop but really what is waiting for them there is variable refresh um and that that's something that has come in with uh there's a bunch of gaming applications for that where the gpu is synced with the refresh rate of the monitor to exactly to not have the monitor syncing at you know at 60 frames per second regardless of what the gpu is able to produce to try to get them more in sync and in things like the watch to save power which is very relevant for laptops so this is like their first foray into maybe having adjustable refresh rate like manually adjustable right for the purposes of video but i have to think that at some point in the semi-near future say the next generation of these laptops which could mean three years or whatever variable refresh rate is right there both to save energy and for potential gaming ar applications and then also the ability to adjust to various frame rates especially if like high frame rate video becomes a thing like if you're trying to edit 120 frame per second video for some hollywood movie on your laptop you can't really do that that well on a 60 frame per second uh display so i'm looking forward to changes in that area i didn't expect them i didn't in fact i didn't expect this uh variable refresh rate but i think uh it is very relevant to laptops and i hope apple uh, jumps on board soon 
Yeah, and to clarify, this is not variable refresh rate. It's just different settings that you can set globally. Yeah, you manually pick it from a pop-up menu. Like you just like it's not it's not a thing that's adjusting itself. Yeah, it's just like how it was in the CRT days. Like when you you could pick yep. lots of different refresh rates for most CRTs. Like it's similar to that, um, but way newer. <laughs> you could drive you could drive your neighbor crazy by setting it to whatever the lowest refresh rate is, where Flickr will probably be visible. Like there's something wrong with my display. It used to happen on people's CRTs only they wouldn't notice. I'd go over to their house and they'd be had their CRT refreshing at like 50 hertz. They'd be like, no, this cannot stand. And the funny thing is, usually that rate was 60 hertz, which is our current fastest <laughs> refresh rate. But it's different for L- it's different for LCDs. Yeah, 60, well, it's, it's a little bit different in CRTs, but I feel like people who had their CRTs like below 60 or some some frame rate that was incredibly blinking was like, just you got to get that over 100. And it was just, ah, it felt so good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I believe that's it for the display. And before I move on to the keyboard, uh, I wanted to talk about ports. No changes. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, no SD reader, no additional or different ports. Every all the ports, the ports are exactly the same. I think we can have a positive spin on this by saying that means they didn't get rid of the headphone jack. <laughs> right? Yes, it's still on the wrong side, but uh, but yeah, it, it, this headphone jack is still there, still on the wrong side. All, you still have four USB C ports on the 15 inch. Again, it's it's just like the uh, like the display refresh. Like I get, or I mean the display density. It's trade offs. It's all sorts of trade-offs. Like the way they've designed the enclosure, it's just like before where there's like a huge uh, intake vent. As soon as the ports end on each side, like on the on the lower edge, right after the ports end, it becomes an intake air vent on both sides. So like there is no space there to put an SD card or more ports or anything unless they redesigned a lot of other stuff. So like it would, it's not like a small job to do that. But again, it's trade-offs. Like if it were me, I would put one USB-A port, an HDMI port, and an SD card reader. Because those are the things that people need very frequently. And I still very firmly believe that it is not a good customer experience to ever need a dongle. And dongles should be reserved for old, outgoing technologies that most people don't need anymore. So, for instance, like when the uh, 2012 Retina MacBook Pro, for the very first Retina MacBook Pro came out, you needed a dongle to use things like Ethernet or FireWire. And at that time, most people were no longer using Ethernet or FireWire on their laptops. And so I feel like that was like an okay transition to make then because it's like most people who buy these won't need to buy an adapter to do this older thing because most people aren't using these things. Whereas on the USB-C generation of laptops, I don't know anybody who has any of these laptops who doesn't need at least one dongle on a regular basis like something either a USB A adapter or a power pass through for Casey's terrible laptop or whatever like Aww. and that's unfortunately still exactly the same you still need dongles I, you know i will say like time has slightly healed this wound and it will continue to very slowly <laughs> heal this wound so like i think apple's just kind of waiting it out at this point like USB C is becoming more common we are seeing more and more cables and peripherals and more things are coming with USB-C cables. Uh, you know, so slowly this is solving itself. The dongles are getting slowly less terrible. People are able to find a few that seem to work okay for them. So like over time, this is slowly changing, but I think, I still think it's a terrible customer experience to have a brand new laptop and almost immediately need some kind of weird dongle for some port it doesn't have. Uh, but you know, they, they continue to make that trade-off. Eventually, this will solve itself, I think. But 
it still hasn't after you know three years so far of being all USB-C on these laptops we still need dongles and that's that's unfortunate so are, are any of these ports or all of these ports have uh, i wish we knew more about the uh the display connection because i'm wondering if yeah they're the same and they're thunderbolt 3 and they're USB-C, but uh, do they support a higher version of display port that lets them drive the big monitors like i'm not sure what the if there's any difference in capability behind these strangely shaped ports you know what was that my, <laughs> my son of all people asked me the other day a friend of his was asking him a question uh, about whether we had any macs with uh i don't know if it was like he was asking whether we had any Macs with USB-C ports that aren't Thunderbolt ports. So he gave me some mishmash. So like he didn't really understand. Yep. Didn't understand what he was asking. And so I was faced with having to try to explain to someone who knows absolutely nothing about this uh, what the deal is with USB-C and Thunderbolt. It's really hard. <laughs> yes. Like starting from first principles, because I had like the only the only thing that I explained to him was the rectangular USB-A because he's seen those and he has them like in his room to charge his stuff because he got USB-A to lighting ports to charge his devices. He's familiar with those wires. But everything else after that is gibberish. Like, look, the hole in the side of the computer is the same shape. But by looking at the shape, you can't tell what thing it does. Some of them are Thunderbolt, but some of them are not. And there's different versions of Thunderbolt, but the earlier version had a different shape. And it's like, oh, my God, doesn't make any sense. So anyway, what I was asking is, are the little shaped holes that are the same in number and shape and probably the same in capability, do they support a higher version number of DisplayPort when in the mode that they're supporting DisplayPort? I don't know, but I don't think so. I, I, and I, don't, I, don't, I haven't followed the intricacies of DisplayPort versus Thunderbolt and everything. It's still Thunderbolt 3. I know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm, I'm guessing a lot of that might depend on the GPU. But regardless, I think it's the same as it was before in that area. Yeah, I mean, it does play in that mode where it's like, I'm just a DisplayPort now, right? That, that's like one of the modes that it can be. It can be in USB-C mode and Thunderbolt mode and DisplayPort tunneling. I don't know the details. Anyway, uh, the point is it looks the same on the outside. Uh, it has different capabilities than uh, the earlier ones that had the similar shaped holes in them, though, because these can drive the XDR at native res and earlier models could not. We are sponsored this week by Mac Weldon. Better than whatever you're wearing right now. And not better than whatever I'm wearing right now because I'm wearing a bunch of Mac Weldon stuff. <laughs> I got to say, I love Mac Weldon. This is a premium men's essentials clothing brand. They believe in smart design, premium fabrics, and easy shopping. I have been a Mac Weldon customer since before they were a sponsor of ours. I heard them on another podcast. I gave them a shot a few years ago, and I've been buying their stuff ever since. And I actually kind of sought them out as a sponsor because I wanted to talk about it. I just love Mac Weldon's clothes. I have all sorts of stuff from them now. So every day I'm wearing their underwear. Most days I'm wearing their socks. I'm usually wearing one of their t-shirts too, especially in the summer. I love their silver line stuff, which is naturally antimicrobial. I get that as the, as the uh, underwear material as well. And they actually, they want you to try their underwear. They have this cool guarantee where if you don't like your first pair of underwear, They'll give you a refund, but you can keep it because they don't want your used underwear back. It's pretty cool. No questions asked. All this stuff, it looks good. It performs well. They, they have a whole line of stuff specialized for workout gear, which I use. I have their sweatpants for workouts. I have their workout socks, their air knit shirts. In the winter now, it's getting colder. I actually just restocked. They have a, a whole bunch of great t-shirts. The Pima cotton tees are great. In the winter, I get the long sleeve ones and the new warm knit sweaters. I love the warm knit stuff. It's kind of like a waffle knit pattern on a long sleeve shirt absolutely love those they are always coming out with new colors new materials new designs new totally new items 
I love Mack Weldon. I got to say, I, I'm wearing them again almost every day. All the different seasons, I'm wearing something from Mack Weldon. They have a new tech cashmere fabric this year that's really, really nice for like sweaters and hats and gloves. Check it out. You're going to love it. MacWeldon.com. You can get 20% off your first order by using code ATP at checkout. Once again, MacWeldon.com with code ATP for 20% off your first order. Thank you so much to Mac Weldon for keeping me clothed, frankly, most of the time and for sponsoring our show. Have all your keyboard prayers been answered? I think so. <gasps> no. The, so there, there's one big one, and that is that the touch bar is still required on the MacBook Pro. You know, I, the touch bar came out in 2016. I don't like it. I know a lot of people who don't like it, who, who if there was an option to buy the same computer without a touch bar, even at the same price, I know many people who would take it. Um, and touch bar is not required for touch ID because the MacBook Air has n- no touch bar but touch ID. So we know they can do it, <laughs> you know, but this this computer requires the touch bar. Now, I wish it didn't, but there are two critical changes here that I think will make it less bad of a thing for people who didn't like it before. Number one, we have a hardware escape key again. Hooray! Thank God. Now, I should actually say, I don't actually use it anymore because ever since the other laptops got rid of it, I converted myself to use caps lock for escape because Mac OS has a built-in thing in the keyboard panel to do that. If you go to modifier keys, you can set caps lock to be escape. And I never even need caps lock for anything. So I remapped that. And now I just, I kind of had the muscle memory where I hit it with my little finger and that's that's it. I, I hit escape really easily. It's closer now. It's actually better. Um, so I actually don't need the escape key personally, but I know a lot of people don't want to do that remapping and, and want that to be there. So... That's a huge improvement if you are a touch bar hater. And also, one of the most important changes they could have possibly made, they made the space between the keys bigger. Thank God. So (laughs) this, along with the inverted T arrow layout, I think are actually more important than the travel distance. So the travel distance, I'll, I'll get all, the, all this at once. The travel distance is doubled what the butterfly is. It is one millimeter travel depth for the keys. So for comparison, it's funny, I actually I went around, I'm, I think I'm going to write a blog post and put a graph of this in it. Uh, I went around yesterday with my calipers, and, and which I actually brought into uh, the briefing as well. Of course I, you did. <laughs> no one else had calipers. Uh, I went around and measured a whole bunch of keyboards to see like, how big are the keycaps, you know, versus, like, how, how much spacing is there between the keys? Uh, how much travel do they have, etc.? And I found, first of all, I, it was interesting that, like, the, the total height of the main area of the keyboard, which I measured as, like, from, like, the top of the delete key down to the bottom of the right arrow, so, like, not, not including a function row or a touch bar if it has it, like, just that distance, on almost every keyboard I measured across a huge range, I should say I measured from a... I measured a titanium PowerBook G4, a white plastic MacBook, uh, uh-huh. the the 2015 generation MacBook Pro, the butterfly keyboard MacBook Pro, uh, the iPad Pro 11-inch smart keyboard, my Philco mechanical 10-keyless keyboard with the big clicky key switches, and my Microsoft Sculpt ergonomic keyboard. I measured all of those, and it's funny, like that the height of the main key region on all of them is right around 90 millimeters. And so what I found interesting was like how little variation there is in that, like that, like the overall size 
of these keyboards was very similar, actually. I guess we figured out a long time ago, keyboards should be about 90 millimeters tall from the bottom of the air to the top of the delete key. So cool. Um, so what matters then of like how big the keys are is and and how you know how much they're spaced what shape the keycaps take how much how much they travel down and everything and there was a huge range of these so like my big philco mechanical key switch with one of the like i forget which cherry color switch it has but it has one of those like cherry mechanical switches in it the the travel on that was 4.3 millimeters and so for reference this laptop the new one is one millimeter the butterfly was half a millimeter so it's twice as much travel. <laughs> the Magic Keyboard was 1.2. So this is very close to the Magic Keyboard, but kind of like like a third of the way between the Magic Keyboard and the Butterfly in travel distance. And I could actually say about the same thing for the key margins as well. So Magic Keyboard, 2.8 millimeters spacing between the keys. Uh, new MacBook Pro, 2.5 old macbook pro with the crappy keyboard 1.8 so huge variation like huge drop there and the you know 2.5 millimeter key spacing actually compares pretty well like the uh the ipad smart keyboard which i think has very wide key spacing is 3.1 so compared to 2.5 you know you can see like the 2015 macbook pro with the keep with the other you know the, the previous generation scissor keyboard 3.5 millimeter spacing and about 1.5 millimeters of travel so again, we are we're going we're like hitting like roughly magic keyboard levels but slightly less. So like a little bit less key space than the magic keyboard, a little bit less travel than the magic keyboard, but way closer to that than to the butterfly keyboard which sucked. So <laughs> overall, I would say that they really have and and I should say too like they're calling this a magic keyboard. Like they said in the presentation, they said that the uh you know they, they defended the butterfly a little bit but i i, I don't care <laughs> um and I'll, i will say to be honest though like it does seem like the the 2018 or the 2019 new materials revision the third gen revision that they did this past may i don't I haven't heard of many problems with it so i think they actually might have mostly fixed it but i don't care it still sucks so even if they fix it i, I still hate it um but it's you know good for people who have it i guess but uh, anyway they so heavily focused on the keyboard during the presentation they knew we all were too and they said they went back they had like people studying physiology and they they wanted to focus on all these different areas key shapes the feel acoustics uh what makes people accurate and what doesn't and they said something that's funny i actually wrote this like two years ago in a blog post they said that they already make a fantastic keyboard that meets all those criteria it's the magic keyboard that ships with the iMac. It's like, yes, we know. Thank you. And, and they really are saying that they, they're bringing the magic keyboard to the MacBook Pro. Like that's how, that's how they're framing it. And based on all my measurements and based on the feel, I can say that's pretty damn accurate. Like it isn't exactly the same. It's actually like in some ways it's better than the magic keyboard. Um, if, you, if you were a fan of the increased key stability with the butterfly keyboard, uh, which is one of the only uh, advantages that they ever touted for it, uh, which was like, if you hit like the edge or the corner of a key, the whole thing depresses more evenly than on the previous types of scissor keyboards, it would kind of like slant. Uh, and that's better with the 16 inch keyboard than even with the magic keyboard, which itself was better than previous scissors. Um, there's a rubber dome that they tweaked to make uh, a better like 
feedback mechanism or something. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not really sure on many of the details here. Uh, and I'm sure we'll find out a lot of this through teardowns down the road. Uh, but short version is they really focused a lot on these. And they they say, they said right in the presentation, this is the best typing experience ever on a Mac notebook. And I might agree with that. It's been a while since I've used the old mush keyboards on like my PowerBook G4 that I loved so much. But it's really good. It's, it, it is not like super high travel, but it is not so low that you really care. You know, laptops have always had lower travel than desktop keyboards, but it's been like close, it kind of in the ballpark that you, you would kind of forgive it for being a laptop. This is finally back in that area. Like when I was typing on this, even just the, the initial things of just like the setup wizard, like migration assistant, typing in my Wi-Fi password, every key press I was like, yes, finally, thank you, thank you, God. I'm, I don't, I'm an atheist, but thank you, God. Like, I am, I was so happy to just type in regular things because you know what? It didn't feel noteworthy. It felt like a keyboard. And this is after three years of their laptops feeling like they hated me. Like I had, I had to type in something on my on my 13 inch afterwards, like deactivating something, and I just immediately wanted to throw it in the garbage. <laughs> like it, I, I, will, I should warn everybody out there: if you've been using a butterfly keyboard and not a fan of it, like me, the second you use one of these things, your old laptop is trash. <laughs> you will immediately want to get rid of it. So if you don't want to buy a new one, don't touch one. <laughs> just don't it's like don't test drive a tesla like don't ever touch one of these keyboards because it's just so nice what's nice about it like it dramatically changes the way the laptop feels to me because it changes from something that has literally felt hostile towards me for three years and frankly felt like they were never going to fix it it felt like they thought it was fine so for three years it felt like this hostile thing where all of their laptops were telling me, we don't want you using us. We hate you. <laughs> we hate ourselves and we hate you. <laughs> like That's how it felt to me. It's just so hostile. And to have this new keyboard that not only did they put a lot of effort into it and not only it, like did they really try to make a keyboard that people liked a lot, which I don't think that was ever a goal of the butterfly, but they succeeded. And they made a really freaking good laptop keyboard that is still thin, still has the stability that some people like, still has like the like the kind of snappy feedback a little bit, but has significantly more travel, has easier to find keys, has the inverted T arrows, has a real escape key. It, and it's it just seems like, oh my God, why didn't they have this three years ago? But I'm really glad they have it now. And finally, I can go back to using a laptop and not be constantly irritated by this unchangeable fundamental quality of it. It, it is such a nice feeling. It's, it's like this weight has been lifted off my shoulders. Like, you know, the world made a couple of big mistakes in 2016. One of them has now been fixed. <laughs> wow. And it really, it's, it's like the dawning of a new day. Finally, the long night is over. Like, <laughs> it's like, finally. Uh, it, it is, I, I can't describe, um, although I'm trying poorly, I can't describe how nice it is to just start using this and be like, ah, okay, things are getting right in the world again. Finally, I can use a laptop 
and not hate every minute of typing on it. So speaking of success and this being a successful keyboard, did they mention anything or tout anything about the reliability of this keyboard? I honestly, I'd be surprised if they if they ever mentioned that. But it's a scissor mechanism, which inherently means that it is, first of all, a lot less likely to break. We've had scissor mechanisms for a long time. Like the butterfly mechanism was a whole completely new design. Lots of like very, you know, precise, tiny, fragile things had to go perfectly with it for it to work. Scissor, there's just the design of scissor keycaps are much more resilient to problems. And having increased travel means that like you can probably pop off the keycap and just like the whole way they attach is different. So like it's probably going to be way easier to service these. Time will tell. I don't, you know, I don't know. And they didn't really hit it too hard, but I'm guessing these are going to be way easier to service than the butterflies. Probably similar to previous laptops. Like we, you know, we've had scissor key laptops for a long time. Many people have had keys replaced or, you know, had to get service on them and it's been fine. Like occasionally it requires a huge expensive replacement but for minor stuff it usually doesn't and most people in their lifetime with their laptops most people don't need expensive keyboard repairs i've repaired a scissor key switches myself on older laptops when they'd like get old or wear out or start flopping off or some kid would break one off and you'd put it back on like there are tiny delicate parts in there for sure but they're not so delicate that i destroyed my keyboard by trying to fix it which was nice um and yeah, the scissor mechanisms are tried and true. It's interesting, though, that the main, like, so you hated the, the keyboard even when it was working perfectly, but Apple's big problem with the keyboards is that they weren't working. Yes, some people like them, some people don't, but not working is just a universal, right? And it's kind of weird to pitch a new keyboard without, tr- I mean, I don't know how you do it. Like, they're not, they don't want to say anything as ongoing lawsuits, so they can't really say anything about, you know, they could have at least said this is our most reliable keyboard ever, or they could have said, look, we'll pour a bucket of sand on top of it and type and <laughs> it'll keep going, which is probably not true. You probably shouldn't do that because there are other reasons other than your keyboard working that you don't want sand leaking into your laptop, right? But it's kind of weird that, like, I would have expected them to somehow address what is the main problem with their keyboard. The main problem with their keyboard was not that Marco didn't like how it felt. The main problem was that it would stop working sometimes, like my space bar, which still doesn't work. And by the way, I've been holding out for these laptops. I'm hoping when I bring this thing to work and say, hey, by the way, the space bar doesn't work, I'm going to do that at a time that when they order me a replacement, they could potentially get a 16-inch. Instead, they're just going to get it repaired for 900 bucks, so it's going to suck for me. Mm-hmm. But at least I won't have the highest chance of... <laughs> You know, getting me a new one of these. But anyway, reliability is still a question. And unfortunately, although we suspect that these will be better because the travel is bigger, because this is a mechanism, at this time, we can't say. <laughs> because Marcos had his yeah. for half a day, right? <laughs> my my 2017 laptop, which admittedly I mostly used docked at work, so I didn't use the keyboard a lot, it took pretty much two full years for the space bar to die. I still find that infuriating. But it didn't die immediately. So, and same thing with the 2019s that you were mentioning before. They seem like the problems are okay. If the problems only come up after, you know, a year and a half, two years, we're not going to be able to tell that now. So, you know, it, not, we talked about this before. Like, if and when they come up with a new, key, new keyboard, we just have to take their word for it. So I would have loved some reassurance to say, and we reliability tested these, and we poured potato chips into them, and we had our robots poking them at 20 <laughs> different angles. And, like, whatever it is that they didn't do with the butterflies they should have done with this one and they could have touted that i mean we love seeing robot fingers poking keyboards or whatever um and and speaking of the travel stuff and older keyboards uh i'm sure you have all these numbers from your your caliper travels what was the travel <laughs> on the 20 the 2015 macbook pro keys 
you're going to consult your wall poster that shows you key travel in millimeters for all Apple laptops. Um, yeah, so here, I, I, I breezed by it earlier. Let me see. The uh, 2015 key travel was about one and a half millimeters. So about, about 1.5. Uh, Magic Keyboard is 1.2. And this new laptop is 1.0. Butterfly was 0.5. So we're, we, are, we are in the ballpark of the old one. What you get with this, like when the Butterfly came out and it was very controversial, still is, there were the people like me who hated it. And there were a lot of people who said, we actually prefer this to the old one. And, and they, a lot of people would, would go back to one of the old ones and say, this is too mushy. They, they didn't like going back to the old ones once they were used to the more like crisp uh, feel of the new one. I think this new one is going to really satisfy both groups well. And like, again, one of the biggest problems with the Butterfly was that they took this incredibly controversial keyboard. Again, even if it worked perfectly, even if it never had any reliability problems, it was a very controversial design. Lots of people really hated it. And it was so that therefore it was never a suitable keyboard to be the only keyboard. Like you can't have something that a whole bunch of your customers hate if that's the only option you're going to give them for an entire category of products. And that's what they did with Butterfly. I think with this, this is presumably going to trickle down to the rest of the product line. Presumably this will soon be the only keyboard you can buy in an Apple laptop. And I think that's fine because this new one is, I think, going to be a big crowd pleaser. It is not as extreme in either direction. You know, it's not a super high travel mechanical clicky thing, you know, like you get from an external, you know, gamer keyboard. It's not uh, a super flat butterfly thing or like a virtual keyboard on a touch glass or anything like that. It's just a regular laptop keyboard. It's the kind of laptop keyboard that used to be the only kind of laptop keyboard, the kind that you would barely even mention because it was fine. That's what this is. That is, if you're only going to offer one type of keyboard for all of your laptops it has to be that it has to be something that everyone says that's fine and this has a way better chance of achieving that than the butterfly ever would so as someone who loved the magic keyboard when it first came out it was my favorite keyboard by a mile when it first came out uh, and then I got my MacBook Adorable, and over time, I came to really, really like this keyboard. It has its faults. I've had to take air to it more than zero times, which is, I've never taken air to a Magic Keyboard before, or certainly not, you know, I've never been forced to anyway. So I do actually quite like the MacBook Keyboard. I do like how sturdy it feels. Is it a deal breaker? No. But it does, I don't know, it does, it does make the Magic Keyboard feel not mushy, but comparatively slightly more mushy than than the MacBook keyboard. And it sounds to me like what you're describing is basically the Magic Keyboard with a little bit less travel, which I'd be fine with, uh, and a little bit more, if not a lot more, uh, sturdiness or stability, which to me sounds like you're taking the best of both worlds and mashing them together. So I am all in on this. This sounds excellent. I'm telling you, I think people are going to love this thing. I don't, I don't think there is going to be anybody who is really, truly upset by this move. You know, only, only the most diehard butterfly lovers are really going to care. Like, it, it, beyond, and honestly, they had their time in the sun. <laughs> it's whatever butterfly metaphor they can make. Like, it's time for them to, you know, fly south for the winter or whatever. Make room for us. Uh, no, I don't know. But, like, all I want was to go back to a world where we could stop talking about the freaking keyboards. And after this episode, I think we've achieved that. Like, I think finally we can go back to talking about anything else because this won't be a constant source of friction in our computing lives anymore. Like, once this takes over the product line and once the butterflies are all out of, you know, mainstream usage in maybe four or five years, like, 
we're going to look back on this time the way people look back on like that chiclet keyboard on one of the whatever computer that was john you probably know i don't i know what you're talking about but i don't remember i think it was a compact but i don't remember yeah it's like some like this some like you know terrible computer that that or maybe it was was it pc jr was that it? the ibm pc jr maybe it was like they're like a membrane over yeah although there were membrane keyboards as well i don't know if that was the chiclet one I used a PC Junior though. My friend had one. It was not a good computer. <laughs> yeah, probably for other reasons as well. But yeah, so like I, I really do think we're going to look back on the butterfly era as this tragic mistake that was made for a few years. Like like when back when Apple had like bad CEOs, like the weird business people CEOs. Like I think it's gonna it's gonna be like that kind of era. And thank goodness it's ending. Like I I truly think this keyboard I think is so good, and it will have probably a significant effect on apple's bottom line for saved warranty repairs compared to the butterflies um i have a feeling this is going to take over the product line quickly i would be shocked if any butterfly keyboards are still sold one year from now i i I bet one year from now they're all out of the lineup and i think it'll be good for their sales because like you said if someone has one of these existing ones and especially if they had any problems even if it's just like a sticking key or they had to blow it out with air once they try one of these they're going to be they're going to be looking to offload these as fast as possible and replace it with basically an equivalent machine oh i didn't really need a new one but i need my keyboard to be reliable and this one is nicer so they're just you know it i think this will be good for apple's bottom line imagine making products that people like could be good for your bottom line Um, but there is surely (laughs) pent-up demand uh for the keyboard so hopefully that will be uh reflected and that, that's why they need to get it out in the rest of the line as, as fast as possible yeah um, i hope they do i hope they don't I hope it doesn't lag behind in kind of tim cook fashion where like the macbook air has the butterfly keyboard for the next three years and we're like come on like i really hope it does <laughs> go through all the other computers as fast as possible we'll see although i you know so sticking to the keyboard here I still have my same raft of keyboard complaints that I've had for a while. Some of them are actually still new from the butterfly. Obviously, all we really care about is that this is a reliable keyboard. And it sounds, you know, we, as far as we can tell, they've done everything that they could to. That isn't all we care about. To, to set them up. I know, but like. Hey, I hated the butterfly keyboard before it broke for everybody. I know. I know. I'm just saying like it is in the big, big picture wise, Apple can't have keyboards that don't work on their laptops. Like that is that is the, the major problem that we're addressing here. And of course, we can't tell. But there are other things uh, about this keyboard still bother me and this has been a problem on apple's line for a long time so since the right after the tie book i guess the first macbooks the 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 very first uh, aluminum macbooks that i believe began the era where well and actually maybe it was before that but anyway whenever the era began where apple decided that they're going to offer you multiple sizes of laptops but every single one of them will have a keyboard that's exactly the same size there are advantages to that. The user experience is the same. You get used to the key layout on one. You can use all of them. Like, I understand all the advantages. But, like just what we were saying before about ports and 8 terabyte SSDs and 64 gigs of RAM, at a certain point, it becomes ridiculous. The most ridiculous it's ever been is the 17-inch MacBook Pro or the 17-inch PowerBook before that. It was a 17-inch laptop with the same exact keyboard as their 12-inch laptop. It looked dumb. It was dumb. Uh, now they have a 16-inch <laughs> with basically the same size keyboard as their 12-inch, uh, give or take a millimeter or two, according to Marco's calipers. It doesn't look as dumb, but it is dumb. We're celebrating the inverted T arrow keys, which obviously is better. You can feel for them. You could have a full-size inverted T. There's plenty of room. You could have a page up, page down, and home. You could have all sorts of things. You could get the stupid FN key out of the lower left corner, so control could be back there if you don't already have it remapped to caps lock with more room and they have more room you can do more things and include more keys and apple continues to resist that 
Again, I understand the reasons. Everyone's got their their reasons, their excuses. Oh, we need room for the speakers. Oh, we need this. Oh, we need that. Bottom line is there's more room there. Look at the world of laptops. When they have large laptops with 16-inch screens, there's room for more keys, and people use it, and users like it. Johnny Ive doesn't like it because it's not symmetrical, so we can't have the inverted T poking down out of the rectangle of the keyboard. But he's gone now, but his replacements apparently still like symmetry. Another symmetry thing that drives me nuts, the previous generation of keyboards, as we noted many, many uh, episodes ago, the bottom row of keys with the space bar and the modifiers was taller than all the other rows of keys. I thought that was a great idea because that bottom row serves a special purpose. The space bar, the biggest key on the keyboard, maybe it doesn't need to be any taller, but it's nice. The modifiers, you smush them with one of your less dexterous fingers while you hit another key because you cord with them. Having the modifiers be slightly taller than the rest of the keys was nice. More space for the half-height arrows. Yeah, they did away with that in the 2016 models because symmetrical, exactly symmetrical down to the millimeter keys look nicer. There's no reason to, like, making it slightly bigger. Someone did that intentionally, and it was smart, and they got rid of it because it's not as symmetrical. Like, talk about the level of symmetry. Not only can we not break the rectangle outline of the keyboard, but we also can't have that bottom row be a little bit bigger. We have to make it smaller. Like, (laughs) it's ridiculous. The touch bar, which Marco mentioned, which is not optional, is uh, pro models. One of the problems with the touch bar is accidental input. I myself have uh, removed the Siri button because occasionally I hit the Siri thing and it would be bloop, you know, like I go for the delete key and I hit where the Siri button was. So I removed it from my touch bar. Occasionally, while I'm thinking about something, my screen will go black and I'll realize one of my fat fingers leaned on the little brightness down button on the touch bar. <laughs> Uh, and by the way, if that happens to people who are less technically savvy, they may not realize what happened. I think their computer is broken because it's a very strange experience. And you don't notice it happening. How can you prevent accidental input on the touch bar? You can move it farther away from the keyboard. More than, you know, 0.02 millimeters farther away as they've done with the extra spacing or whatever. But how can we move it farther away from the keyboard? There's no room. There's totally more room. To give an example... In the olden days, the Apple Extended Keyboard 2 had a huge space between the number keys and the function keys. It was great because you'd never accidentally go for a number key and hit a function key. It was a gigantic amount of space. Now, there's less room on a laptop, but there's more room than one or two millimeters. That would be less aesthetically pleasing. It is certainly nice when the space between the touch bar and all the keys is exactly symmetrical, but it's not as good ergonomically. These concerns about the laptops and sort of the battle of form versus function make me think that there is still... Plenty of room for improvement and design innovation in especially the large pro laptop space that I really hope Apple latches onto. And I don't want this to sound negative because I'm really excited that they've fixed the worst problems of their laptops and have made a keyboard that Marco likes. But I mentioned the iMac Proifications of the laptops before. This is half half of iMac Proification because if they had gone all the way, it would be more versatile and have more ports and more capabilities and would have broken out of the mold in the previous laptops. This is exactly in the mold of the previous laptops, but it's an alternate universe one where they made them good, <laughs> which is great. We <laughs> want to live in that universe. We want the universe where they make the laptops good, but it's the same design. It's four USB-C shaped holes on the outside, headphone jack, same size keyboard as everybody else, screen, laptop, giant trackpad. It's the same exact design. And I think that's a really good design. I just continue to hope that there's room at the top of their lineup and the largest, most powerful laptops for them to, you know, break out of that design mold and give us something more capable uh, and, and you know, frankly, better in terms of like the ergonomics of the keyboard and the key layout and everything. There is room for improvement there. And I really, really hope 
that somehow, some way, Apple can find the courage to break out of the rectangle of the keyboard and to put a different keyboard on their largest laptop than on their smallest. See, I, I actually don't know if I agree with you on that. I would love things like full height arrows, which you would need, I guess, like another row on the right probably to do that, like a, like a home end page up kind of row at least. No, you just move, you just move them down one. You know what I mean? Like oh, that's interesting. The, the the left and right would be it would break out of the rectangle of the keyboard. The left and right would be uh, like lower. Oh boy, yeah, that's not gonna happen. But like I, <laughs> because it's ugly, but not because it's ergonomically bad. It's great. Yeah, well, and it, like I really do think like Johnny Ive has been gone for officially something like six months, but I I think his exit was much longer than that in practice i think i think it was a slow gradual exit over probably a couple of years yeah, right i'm using him as the stand-in for that ethos of like well the bottom row of keys can't be half a millimeter taller they have to be exactly the same size or i'll notice that that ethos does not serve anybody whether it was johnny or not the fact is they've had significant change in design leadership uh, since the 2016s came out and now they have made some changes that do break symmetry that are less attractive like making the first of all giving us the inverted t arrows back that's a huge breaking of symmetry on the keyboard giving us the escape key yeah, but it's a pre-existing one they, they did they did that in the 2015s as well i wouldn't say the escape key is, is breaking symmetry because it's mostly symmetrical with the touch id although it's kind of surprising it's not, not exactly the same yeah, size it, i know they're not the same the escape size key but is wider still, than touch id and i, I understand you know, like it wasn't the MacBook Escape as well. And even just even the key margins, like I'm I'm really convinced that the whole reason the keys were so damn close together on the butterfly was simply that the, th- the thinner margins looked better, even though it was awful for ergonomics and accuracy. But like, I really do think that's why they did it. I can't think of any other reason why they would have. And so they have made a number of changes in this area that are aesthetically regressions but that dramatically improve usability, accuracy, et cetera. And so that's why I think, like, I'm actually hopeful. You know, and again, they made it thicker and heavier and a little bit bigger because that was required to achieve things people really wanted. Same thing on the iPhones, right? The iPhones were made thicker and heavier because it achieved significant gains that people wanted. So I think we actually are seeing the early days of Apple, like, stepping back from the, the worst of form over function. That, that I think is going to be like the one like negative asterisk on the Johnny Ive era that we're going to look back on is like way too much form over function. I, I really do think we're seeing you know, the Mac Pro, the new Mac Pro is way uglier than the trash can Mac Pro, but it's what people wanted. Yeah, the, 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 Mac, the Mac Pro is the, the example of going all the way. There is nothing in the Mac Pro that is compromise, functionally compromised for the sake of aesthetics. Nothing like and the iMac Pro is close to that because they you know they use the same case but in general like they they went halfway with this thing like they they did the guts they said better cooling bigger capabilities everything we can possibly do on the inside other than the screen we're going to do but it's still basically the same design as it was before and i i applaud all the things they did at the keyboard to improve on it but they haven't broken with their existing orthodoxy for the past decade the half height arrow keys existed before right so they're just going back to a design they had um, and by the way, the spacing between the keys, my guess is that someone thought bigger keys would be better because by reducing the spacing, you do make larger keys. And you can see someone thinking that and saying, oh, larger keys would be better. They'd be easier to hit. Um, and maybe some people even agree with that. But obviously you don't. And I don't 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 think I do either. But it might have been aesthetics, but it might have also just been uh, bigger key caps. All I'm saying is that this feels like a successful uh, incarnation of the design of the 2015 macbook pro updated for modern internals and technology with a dose of the imac pro internals saying 
let's just blow out the doors on the capabilities of the inside of this thing. But it's not a fundamentally different design in the way that the Mac Pro is a fundamentally different design than the trash can, is a fundamentally different design than the iMac Pro. Like that, that again, the different, no one is looking at the Mac Pro and wondering how it is differentiated from the trash can or from the iMac Pro. Whereas if you look at this laptop, you might wonder how it's differentiated from the 13 inch, you know, and there are, there are explanations for that, but they're more subtle than I can just look at this and know this is a more capable thing, or this, this is a different design. It's not a different design. It is a better iteration of the previous design. Yeah. But I, I think ultimately like, you know, in this, like this is hard to distinguish from a 2015. If you, if there isn't a 2015 next to it, because you have the inverted T arrows and it's the same kind of size class and everything like it's it, at, a, at a very casual quick glance it it just looks like a macbook pro simple as that like it just looks like the way they've always looked quote always right and i think you know the new mac pro it, it doesn't look like anything like the trash can but it is very similar in lots of ways to the old towers that only you know ancient dinosaurs i guess are still using these days but it <laughs> it does it like in a way like they they had their their form over function you know, peak, which was the trash can, and customers said no, and there were problems with it, and so they went back to what they had before that misstep, and they've done a lot of that same thing here. They they have gone much of the way back to before the 2016 touch bar generation misstep, not as far back as, as they, they did with the Mac Pro, and and I and to some degree. I don't know how much further back they could have gone with some of these things. Well, they need to go forward because they've they've never made a laptop like I described. Like I'm obviously asking them for to go way farther. I'm not saying you should go back to the Mac Portable, which I mean, you know, I guess you go back that far, you can get some weird keyboard layouts. But they've never made anything as ugly as what I was describing. I mean, and it makes <laughs> sense because they're the nice looking computer company. I'm just saying that, that I think there's room for that. Uh, arguably, they never made a tower computer as ugly as the Mac Pro, but obviously there was room for that too. <laughs> Wow, I'm excited. I really am. Uh, this I'm telling you, you should be. It's really good. The only the, the big problem I have with this announcement is well, two problems. Number one, uh, I'm not planning on spending money on a laptop soon, but it sounds like I'm going to have to. But I guess the good don't touch one. Well, the, the silver lining here. Actually, I have a. Uh, if you love the butterfly keyboard so much, I have a 13 inch MacBook Pro that you can. Ah, uh, here we go. Give it to you for a good price. Go. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I was saying about people people wanting to offload their old things. I wonder if the price on these things is really going to drop through the floor because I think people will want to get rid of their perfectly good completely working very fast butterfly keyboard yeah. laptops get rid of it while uh, it still works a lot yeah, yeah and then they'll want to sell them and then there may be a glut in the market so maybe your resale price won't be that great well what i was going to say is i'm really not interested in a 16 inch laptop having not seen one yet in and i'm not arguing that it is amazing and fantastic in every possible way but i like having a smaller machine and unless i go the route of replacing the iMac with this and like a 5k monitor or maybe i'll pull a john and and buy half a civic i mean buy one of these you know pro display xdrs um but i i'd rather have this in the 13 inch form factor so now the clock is ticking because i agree with what you guys are saying that this is going to trickle down to the rest the line it's only a matter of time but man will i be sad if it takes like two years for it to trickle down to the 13s and the airs of, of the world and i really hope that sooner rather than later this gets put into the other size devices and i think it probably will i mean like i think the the ideal scenario that i would like to see is for them to do the same kind of screen embiggening move onto the 13-inch MacBook Pro to make it like a 14-inch MacBook Pro or whatever sure, it would be, sure. right? So you'd have, I, I think the Air would stay where it is. The Air would stay at 13, 
and then you have MacBook Pros at 14 and 16. I think that would help in a lot of ways. It would help like further distance the 13-inch Pro from the Air uh, because it, it's very close still. Like there, there are some big ways that it's different, but like I think it needs more big ways it's different, uh, and that would help a little bit, I think. Um, and just because, again, like this is so good, but also for the last couple of years, I've been using 13-inch laptops, and I've loved them. Like, I, I actually really enjoy the 13-inch form factor, um, and I might go back to it in the future, but for now, this is so much better that I'm just going to stick with it because it's it's just awesome. But if you're a person who likes the 13-inch size better, and you can be patient, again, never touch one of these. <laughs> never try one. <laughs> but if you can be patient and wait, again, I don't think it's going to be long. I think it's going to be less than a year, honestly. Uh, before you have a 13-inch MacBook Pro with the same keyboard. Uh, but we'll find out. Yeah, it's the Air that I'm worried about. And if they ever decide to resurrect a 12-inch size, I wonder if this keyboard, first of all, would fit in there because of the travel. Like, Because arguably the, the butterfly keyboard had its, you know, its reason for existing was this very, very thin thing. And they're like, this keyboard's so great, let's use it everywhere, which was a bad move. Um, but uh, if, if I'm, you know, I'm very confident that the 13-inch MacBook Pro is going to get it in short order. I just worry about the Air because uh, it deserves it. it like there's room for it and an air with that keyboard would really like i know what people are excited they brought back the name air and everybody loved their airs and it's wedge shaped but i just have i do not have good feelings about my macbook air maybe it's the double spaces coming out of that space bar like it's fairly new and that one you know exhibited this problem very quickly and and now i'm just waiting for worse problems i don't i don't like this computer just yeah just because of the double space bar if you could give me that same air with this keyboard I think I would have affection for it. I think I would love it. I think it would be like my old, you know, 2011 Air, right? Because everything else about the computer is great. Size and weight. It's got Touch ID, which I love, you know, and, and I know we're kind of, we've been in the bargaining phase of like, just please just give us a good keyboard and they have, so we're all happy. But hanging out in there somewhere in the distance is, you know, Face ID on laptops and all sorts of other potentially cool things that... Hopefully now that we're sort of out of the dark days of Apple's laptop that we can start making forward progress again. I, again, I don't expect Face ID to be on a laptop first, but I really hope that does come to the Mac and I really hope it does trickle down to laptops. Uh, as much as I love Touch ID, Face ID would be even better. And hey, why not both? Uh, I think it's time for Apple's laptops to start moving forward again. Yeah, and I, and finally, I think we can finally focus on that now. We can finally like move past the basics being broken, which they have been for three years. And that makes me feel really good. Like, I finally, I can stop worrying that they're going to make something that I totally hate as the only option. Like, I'm much more confident now that they have their heads on straight, they're, they're going in a better direction now, and they seem to care about the basics more than they did a few years ago. And that, that means a lot. And I'm, now I can start complaining about things like ports and cellular. Yeah. <laughs> cellular's a big one. I really still want that very badly. Like, it was funny, like, today, I, I, I was kind of, I wasn't sure, like, like last year i had i had a uh, mac briefing to which i brought my macbook pro to take notes on and the next day i had an ipad briefing to which i brought my ipad pro to take notes on figuring that the people in the room might appreciate that i was using their thing and this time to what i suspected to be a mac briefing i brought only my ipad pro for two main reasons number one I hated typing so much on my MacBook Pro that I knew I was going to do a lot of typing, taking notes. So I'm like, you know what? I don't want to type on this thing. I, I would rather type on my smart keyboard. So that's what I brought. And number two, it has cellular. And so everything I'm doing is constantly synced. I'm able to quickly things up. And 
yeah, you know, tethering exists. Tethering is fine, but it also sucks. And there's lots of cases in technology and life where you have an option that is fine but kind of sucks, but you take it because it's your only option. And if tethering was the only option we ever had, then fine, I guess it would be fine. But we have phones. They have cell modems in them. We have watches that have cell modems in them. And the iPad has had cell modems offered since the very first iPad, which in a few months will be 10 years ago. It's time to bring it to the Mac. And I know it's hard. I know there's reasons. It's time. No argument here. I would love it. I don't know if I'd buy it, to be honest, because... Oh, my God. I don't, <laughs> no, but here's the thing. Here's the thing, though. Like, as much as I want it to exist, I don't know if I would do it, you know, because it's like the Mac Pro. As much as I give you guys a hard time, like, I want the <laughs> Mac Pro to exist, but I would never buy it. I want cellular to be an option, but I don't know. It It's it's a tough call. I don't know if I would do it because I just don't find myself on the go to that degree with my MacBook that often. But I, I think it would be, uh, for, especially for people who've been in the Apple ecosystem for such a long time, I think it would be a real game changer just because we're not used to the idea that you can bring your laptop somewhere without Wi-Fi. And that, yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. to me is such a, it's even a bigger change than iPads because iPads, you know, especially the mini were kind of like, you know, big phones or whatever. And so oh, I get the, but I think it would just open up new new possibilities, like so much so that you would you would find yourself like forgetting that you can do that on your laptop and like you know saying oh I want to go there oh but I can't bring my laptop because I have no network. Wait, I would have network connection. I I, <laughs> I am all for it, and especially if it's not too expensive, it would be great. That said, I have cellular on most of my iPads, and I always loved having it. Except on my current iPad, I'm having. Every, the last time I went to WWC, I'm like, oh, I got better get cellular set up on my iPad. And it's it's the thing that Apple can't really control. It's carriers. For some reason, I can't give anyone money to give myself <laughs> a cellular connection on my uh-huh. iPad. Like the thing in, in settings just dies with an error and never loads anything. And basically, I'd have to call some carrier on the phone and do something somehow. Like I've had cellular on this before, but whatever state it's in now, it's kind of borked and so i really that whole experience is, is crappy if, if you bring it to a carrier store they can do a lot there like i i, I did that once it was fine yeah I, i'm sure like i'm sure there's a solution i'm not saying it's like broken i'm sure this can be fixed but it can't be fixed by me stabbing at the screen with my fingers which is True. disappointing <laughs> and that is that is still like the the truth of the terrible cellular world we live in in the u.s is that bringing that to any of your products introduces that but there's nothing that's not apple's fault and there's nothing they can do about it and most times it goes okay um I just want to bring that up as my sadness about the fact that my my cellular capable iPad is now not cellular capable unless I'm willing to get on the phone and or go to a store. It's a hard life. But our keyboard nightmare is over and I'm so happy. I'm so happy. The death of the butterfly keyboard begins today and I <laughs> I cannot wait to dance on its grave when the last one is removed from the lineup. But it doesn't matter cuz now I now I have an option that isn't that. So as long as that takes, doesn't matter to me because now I can buy one that isn't. I whatever the first laptop was that they released with a different keyboard, I would have bought even if it was the lowest end one. The fact that it's the high end one is even nicer because I like the high end ones. I'm just so happy to have this, and I can finally use a laptop again and actually enjoy it and not feel not be like just irritated the whole time. Oh, I'm just so happy. It's so good. It's so good. Oh. Thank you. Thank you, Apple. It's so good. 
You know, missed opportunity on Apple's part. How amazing would it have been if they reincarnated the MacBook with this new keyboard? So, Marco Arment, I'm happy to report we have a new keyboard, <laughs> but it's in a one-port MacBook, yeah. <laughs> and, that's, and that's what you get. Enjoy. I would have rather used that than my 13-inch MacBook Pro. Oh, God, that would have been amazing. Thanks to our sponsors this week, Mac Weldon, Squarespace, and HelloFresh, and we will talk to you next week. Now the show is over. They didn't even mean to begin. Cause it was accidental. accidental. Oh, it was accidental. accidental. John didn't do any research. Marco and Casey wouldn't let him. Cause it was accidental. accidental. Oh, it was accidental. accidental. And you can find the show notes at atp.fm. And if you're into Twitter, you can follow them at C-A-S-E-Y-L-I-S-S. So that's Casey Liss, M-A-R-C-O-A-R-M-E-N-T, Marco Arman, S-I-R-A-C, USA Syracuse. It's accidental. Casey lost us again. Are you back? <laughs> I hope you have. You should stop your recording, Casey, and commit your files to disk and <laughs> put them in Dropbox immediately. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> his computer is falling apart. I think, I think pieces of his computer are falling out the back as it goes down the road. <laughs> just, chips are just littered behind it. Smoke is coming out a little bit. It looks like so. Based on this current error message he's pasting us, it looks like his microphone and speakers have now stopped working. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> when your speakers have problems, that's the, unless the unless the speakers are also his headphones. I don't even know what's going. on. His computer is a mess, and that's that's not even like a T two Max. So like it, it it isn't like the T two freaking out. Like no, like I feel like there's some <laughs> kind of haunted computer. <laughs> what are you doing over there? There you go. This is for for the two of you, so you can get my earlier reference. Know your meme. Moon's haunted. <laughs>